When the storms of life are raging, stand by me, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me, stand by me. When the world is tossing me, a ship out on the sea, thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me, praise me, when I'm growing old and feeble, 
Stand by me. Stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me.
from 
water. I'm telling you, oh, you'll never thirst. You'll never thirst again. You know why?
Every 
praise God for the songs. I don't know if there's anybody in here who's not heard the name of Jesus or not heard the story of Christ, the story of his birth. Everybody in here, I believe, has heard the story of it. I don't know if you've read it and if you need to read it. It's in the first chapter of Matthew, uh, starting verse 18 through 25, and then through 2 Matthew, it talks about the wise men, but also in Luke 1 and 2. And I'm going to tell you that because I'm not going to preach about the birth of Christ. And you know why? Because God changed my way. He changed my heart this week. And I know what God was saying to me, and I couldn't get away from it, so I'm going to stay with it. And I want you to understand something today. We are living in troubled times. We are living in times that you think that you'll get discouraged. Has anybody in here been discouraged lately? Just watch the news. That'll discourage you. Watch anything on TV, it will discourage you. All of the standards of godliness in this country have fallen. The truth has fallen in the street. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? God sees all things. But you know what God's counting on? He's counting on the church. How many here's what I'm saying? The church is supposed to rise up and speak the truth. Not fall into the discouragement of whatever. But can I tell you, we're all human. And we get discouraged. We get discouraged with sicknesses. We get discouraged with lost loved ones. We get discouraged with the church. We get discouraged with all kinds of things happening. Why? Because we don't think it's measuring up. And then we find out looking in the mirror, we don't measure up. How many knows that? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm happy with you. I know what you're, I know what you're facing because I face the same thing. Enemies fighting us every day. And I want you to know that's not a new thing. He fights everybody. I want you, if you will, turn to the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. Because I want to talk to you about Elijah. And I think there's a purpose for it. I kept saying to myself, Lord, I can't bring this outright, and it being Christmas Sunday. But see, God kept saying, you don't understand. We have secularized Christmas so much that I went to look, I told him last week, I went to look for Christmas cards and couldn't find one of them that talked about Jesus or his birth. And the only thing I could find was cartoon characters. And I thought to myself, what's the matter with people? They're losing their way. They had cards that will make you happy. They put a nice little fireplace, a nice little uh, picture on there, a little snow on there, give you a howdy duty and tell you everything's okay. But I'm going to tell you something, other. This birth of Christ was, was the most important thing that ever happened to mankind. Amen. And we better not forget his name. And we better not forget to lift up his name. Because soon and very soon he's coming. Soon and very soon. I want you to turn to the 19th chapter. But I'm going to flip back to the first verse of, verse seven, of chapter 17. Because I want you to hear something. And Elijah the Tishbite... First verse of the 17th of 1 Kings, it says, Elijah the Tishbite, was, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, which was the king of, king of Israel at the time, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, 
Listen to the boldness of Elijah. I want you to think about that, Christian, because we're living in time. You better be bold. You better step out and snap out of what you're being told to shut up and sit down and don't talk about him. Listen to this. He says to this king of Israel, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. That's pretty bold for a prophet to come to the king, king of Israel, to say that. Listen to the next verse, or the next chapter. Chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go and show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, how many knows the story? It's in James, I think the third chapter, about, or the fifth chapter, about 17 and 18, where it talks about Abraham, or I, Elijah was a man as like, like as us, and yet he prayed, and it rained not for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, and it brought forth the rain. Three and a half years, God took care of Elijah. You remember at the brook Cherubeth, Cherubeth or whatever it's called, he took care of him. Ravens came and brought him food, and he laid there to the, by the creek, by that little river, until it dried up because there was a drought. Did you know what Elijah said to the king was for a purpose? You know why? Just like America, Israel had gone way out away from God. They got away from God. They were so wicked that they were worshiping the false prophet Baal. And Elijah was just a bold enough prophet to say, you know what? That's not of God. Let me show you God's word. And God's word is what came to him and God's word is what he spoke. If we don't want to hear from God because we can't muster up the strength to say, you know what, Jesus is still the answer, guess what? God's not going to fill you. He's not going to fill you. He's not going to feed you. Like DJ said last week, we're putting a block upon the filling of God. God wants to use his children. He wants to use the church as a voice today, but it's not being spoken. And I'm trying to talk to you about Elijah because there's a purpose here for this. Listen to this. It goes on to chapter 19. What happened was he sent the rain. Now, in the 17th chapter, when he told him this, you're going to find out he went and told him. Uh, he brought the, he brought the uh, well, let me get it. In the 18th chapter, in the 18th chapter, when he did come back, in the 18th chapter, when Elijah was brought back to Ahab, because God told him, go back to Ahab. That means the three and a half years has happened. And Elijah's been taken care of, but the whole land is full of a drought. The whole land has no water. They're starving. They have famine going on. And when Elijah meets up with him, look at verse 17 of the 18th chapter. Verse 17 says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubles Israel? And he answered, listen to him, talking back to the king again, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou hast, and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which, did, which eat 
at Jezebel's table. Who's Jezebel? That's the King Ahab's wife. And her father's name was Ethbaal. And that meant he was considered, and I read this somewhere, he was considered a priest in a little town for Baal. So that, that tells you that here is the king of Israel. He married into a, a, a false god's religion. He took on a wife, and eventually that persuasion has caused Israel to be worshiping false gods. And here Elijah says, let's put you to the test, Ahab. Ahab's mad enough to kill him because he's got a drought going on, and obviously God listened when Elijah told Ahab that because there was no rain. So Ahab's mad, he's upset, and what does he tell him to do? You go get your prophets, and I'll get the children of Israel. You come to Mount Carmel, and we'll set up an altar. You get all of your gods to cry out to your Baal, to your gods, and let's see who answers. Whoever answers by fire when you build your sacrifice to your gods, then we'll count him as the god. And you know how the story went. These 450 prophets of Baal, they went, they built their altar, they had cried and cried and wept and hollered and screamed and even cut themselves trying to get their God to answer. But he answered not. So Elijah goes and takes. He takes about the 33rd verse and he starts building it. He starts building his own little sacrifice. He cuts the bullock, the, uh, the uh, animal. He cuts it up, puts the wood down, builds stones up. He puts and tells them, pour water over it. Not once, not twice, three times. Pour water over it and fill that little trench all the way around the altar. He said, douse it good with water. Now, how many know it's hard to start a fire with water poured over it? But Elijah's, Elijah's hearing from God, and God's going to prove himself to all those Israelites that's been falsely walking with Baal. And going into that. So what God does is he lets, he, this all happens and Elijah, uh, I'm trying to get too much and too quick. It all happened and it says in verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, listen to this, and let not them, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them there. Uh-oh. You mean God expects his people to do something? You know what? God expects you to, to set things out. God's sick and tired of America calling herself a Christian nation and turning around and voting in things that are anti-God. God's sick of it. I can tell you right now, he's not hearing the prayers of his saints because his saints ain't saints. They're compromising everything. And then cry out to God, give me what I want. Bless me. I'm, a, I'm an American because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I'm an American. They have got it backwards. They don't understand that they're going to have to serve the God that they that they that has saved them and sent his son to die for. Okay, let's go to 19. 
chapter 19, Ahab, listen to this, because he, he was put in his place. God answered, Ahab stumped. He had nothing to do. And Elijah told him, told Ahab, get up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. How many knows the rain came? Great rain came. But when the rain came and Ahab took off in the chariot and went and ran to Jezreel where his wife was, he runs back. Now listen to the first words he says in 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. How many know that was wrong? He shouldn't, she, he shouldn't have ran and told his wife what Elijah had done. You know what he should have said? This is what the Lord done. How many knows we're missing it? Quit giving credit to us. It's not us, it's him. We do nothing without him. It was God that moved. It was God's word that moved it. And it says, And Elijah had done, and with how he slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. How many knows Jezebel being the queen Decides, I'll give you 24 hours, Elijah. That's your limit. 24 hours, you're going to be like those dead prophets. I know women's pretty bold. But they're bold in the wrong stuff when they're doing that. Listen to the voice of God. You've got to hear God. And then it says, and when he saw that he arose, he went for his life. Did you know Elijah gets uh, not scared? I think what Elijah did is he knew she had set out that she was going to send whatever it took to kill this one man to stop him from calling on God and to stop him for what he had done by killing these prophets. Why am I bringing it up? God's trying his best to get his people to rise up with a voice. How many knows what I'm talking about? But Elijah's just like you and me. He's just a man. And it says here, and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, the lower part of Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the, a juniper tree. How many knows what a juniper tree is? It's, look, it's shaped like a broom is the way I understand it. It looks like a broom. It's got these things that spread out. And it was just big enough in the desert to get a little shade. And that's where Elijah decided he'd run out in the wilderness and he'd run out in that desert and he'd get away from everything. And how many how many's ever got weary? How many ever got exhausted and tired? You ever just sit down and say, I'm tired of life? I'm going to tell you something. Elijah poured his heart, whole heart into this. He pulled his heart, poured his whole heart for three and a half years. He laid at the side of that brook. He got, he got up and he went and got food from a, from a little uh, widow. And God protected him and God took care of him all that time. And yet he comes back and the rain comes and the great rain comes back. And, and God answers his prayer, but he turns right around and takes the threat of Jezebel and he takes it to heart that I can't do it. I obviously can't convince Jezebel and Ahab to change their ways. Obviously, they're going to still rule and they're still going to lead the people wrong. 
How many feels that way sometimes? You go out and make sure you vote. You go out and speak the truth, and people will go right around you. Moms and dad will tell their kids what's right all their life, and the kids will go right around you. And then you wonder, what in the world are you listening to? Who's leading you? Obviously, it ain't the one that the family that God gave you to is trying to tell you something. You're not listening. It says, verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey, went elward in the wilderness, and came and sat under the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as, I lay, as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Now you can see Elijah laying out in the desert, and he's got no food, and an angel comes and touches him. Who sent the angel? God sent the angel. How many knows God will send you exactly what you need? Quit whining about whatever you're Look back at the things God has always took care of. He is always faithful. She just sung it. He has been faithful all my life. And you know what? Every time I get in these pickles, I get so worried. I get so doubtful. I get so depressed, so distressed. I just can't hardly get up and tell anybody about Christ because I'm too depressed. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to fight off what the enemy's trying to do. Because the enemy will shut you up if he can. And it says, he looked and behold, there was a cake baking in coals, baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came and to him a second time and touched him and said, rise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat. Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God, which is Mount Sinai, which is where Moses got the law. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Elijah's on a journey. Elijah's been on a journey for God, and he stood against Ahab. And he stood, and he's done miracles against what they were trying to do. He tried to bring God's word to them. And changed things, but it didn't work. So he got discouraged, and he headed in his mind to go where Moses brought the law in. I'm just going to go out here somewhere, drift around, and die. I'm going to go back to where the law was given. I, you know why he said those things? Because Elijah got into himself. He got a little bit into himself. I'm not trying to tell you he failed anything. He did what he was told. A lot of you do, this, do the right thing. It doesn't always turn out like you think. Sometimes you speak the truth to people, and they don't accept it. They don't receive it. Jesus spoke the truth to people, and they didn't receive it. So who are we? Are you only worried about the victories that you can tally up in your book for yourself? I'm going to tell you something. God's got a plan to rescue anyone. And there's been some of us that have been so rebellious with God that God has tried his way any way he can to reach you. He's let things come about in your life. He spoke to you many times. Maybe even through a child. Maybe through even a world that's lost. And all of a sudden you see how lost they are. God is trying to reach out 
because he's trying to bring you close to him. And he's trying to do that to the church today. He's working extra hard to bring the church into its place. Verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in strength for 40 days and 40 nights. Now look at verse 9. And he came thither unto the cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What doest thou here, Elijah? What is wrong? Elijah's gone to this Mount Sinai, and when he gets up on the mountain, he goes into a cave. And God comes to him again, just like he sent the angel. Only it says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And how many times has God ever said that to you? What are you doing here? Where is your doubt and fear that drove you to the place you're hiding over here? Get out of your hiding and go back to the work of God. I got a call on your life. I got a work for you to do. You know what? I don't know why God brought this message today, but it's important for somebody. Because the truth is, God won't let me sit down and whine about anything. Sometimes I get real disappointed and discouraged, and I'll sit back and whine if God, if God will just leave me alone. But you know what? When I get into the Word of God, He begins to correct me. He begins to drive me back. And I know that that's what God has been doing all week. He's been showing me it's not about the little baby that came. That story's been told, and it's never going to grow old. But can I tell you something? God's trying to move today on his people. And just like Elijah, don't get discouraged and go back into a cave and hide. God's still trying to call his people out to speak up to this nation, to speak up to this world, and even speak up to the churches. Because if the churches are not serving God, if there's no presence of God there, that's because they've got a block, DJ. They've got that wall up. They will not let him in. No, we don't do things like grandma and grandpa did because that's too much uh, radical. We don't want to get jerking. We don't want to get throwing our hands in the air or speaking in tongues. We don't want to do something a little bit off. It just ain't our generation. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You better find out. Your generation's in trouble. You better find out what's a, what is alive and well. Not mad at nobody. I know I look like I am. Now. Verse 10, and he said, I have been very jealous. This is Elijah answering the Lord. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been jealous over you, Lord, of the children of Israel. For they have, have forsaken thy covenant. They have thrown down thy altars. They have slain the prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. I don't know about you, but that don't sound like an encouraging word from Elijah. Does it? Don't sound like, oh yeah, Lord, just let me know what you want me to do. No. I think anything besides just stay here in the cave, I'll take care of the rest of it. Would, would never satisfy him. You know what? God spoke to him and he said, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and the breaking and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake happened 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I mean, knows God's doing a show. He's putting on a display while Elijah's standing there looking at the mountain. And he's showing him. It's not in the wind that's blowing. I'm not in the wind that's blowing. I'm not in the earthquake. And I'm not in the fire. But what I am in is I'm in that still small voice. Elijah, listen to the voice. See, we've gone so far away from the voice. We don't hear God. We're so adamant about doing what we want to do. We're so set in our goals and our mind and in our doctrine that we can't hear what God says. If God spoke to us, we'd say, well, I don't believe that, so I ain't going to listen to that. Listen to me. God's trying to break the will of the people the way that they are because he's trying to make them understand you've been bought with a price. Hear my voice. Hear what I'm saying to you. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering of the cave. Why did he wipe, wipe why did he wrap his mantle around his face? I don't know about you, but when I'm out of the will of God, or when God, when I'm not listening to God and I realize it, I'm ashamed. And I believe he put that over his face. He had no more words. He had no argument with God. God said, that's a still small voice, Elijah. How many times have I told you, Elijah, what to do? How many times have I told you? I told you to tell him there'll be no rain. There was no rain. I told you to tell him the rain comes and the rain came. I've did all these mighty miracles before you, Elijah. Elijah's probably one of the greatest examples in a prophet, a powerful prophet in the word of God. Why? Because God's trying to show us an example of Christ. You know Jesus didn't have an easy walk. His road that he carried, his walk that he carried, the load that was on him, even as he walked, yet you don't find him discouraged or out of place. He always did the will of the Father. He always knew that the Father heard him. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about some things, but I wait and I look to him and I cry out to him. That's what we're to do today. I can't change America. You can't change America. But God can change all things. God will make a dent in what the enemy's doing. I heard on the radio as I was coming back from the store the other day, Turned on the radio and this on this Christian program, and this guy, I don't know what he was talking about, but right out of his mouth, he, he said, they said Christianity was diminishing. But he said, I got the, I got the results. I've got the, the uh, estimates of how many people. He said, Christianity is going down. And he said that just as clear off the radio, and I thought to myself, you think it's going down. It's not gone down. He's not gone down. The price has been paid for those that will come to him and hold to him. God's trying to do a work in the church today. He's been talking to this church weeks after weeks after weeks. 
DJ, Randy, different ones that brought messages here. And I know that God was in it. You know God was in it. I don't have to tell you the Spirit of God moved. Why? Because God is trying to shake and awake his people. Keep listening to the voice of God. Keep listening to me. And it was so. Elijah heard it and wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou? Again, he asked him the same question. What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah repeated it. About the, I'm jealous for the Lord and because the children of Israel forsaken thy covenant, brought down the altars and slain the prophets with the sword. And I and even I only seek they seek my life. I'm the only one left, basically, is what he's saying. But in verse 18, God said, Yet I have left me, he told Elijah, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees, which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth hath, hath not kissed him. Why am I reading this? I want you to understand something, other. God brought Elijah out of the cave, and God spoke to him, go and you anoint three people. He told him to anoint the Syrian king, anoint the new Israel king, and he said, and go and anoint Elijah. Elijah, Elijah will take your room. He'll take your place. And Elijah was a long time before he took his place, but I'll tell you something. He called him, and what was he doing? Number one, Elijah was was discouraged. Elijah was going out in the desert. God sent an angel. God gave him a, a, a little broom tree to rest under. God gave the angel to make him food. How many knows God provided for him to be able to go forward? God kept taking care of him when he just gave up on life. Nobody cared. I'm the only one serving God. But God had an angel wake him up twice and prepare him. And when he got to the cave, God's the one that called him out of the cave. And God's the one that gave him a new revelation of what he's supposed to do next. You know what? God's not done with us. How many knows that's true? When he's done, he'll call his children home. But until then, you need to rise up every day. First, you need to get down on your knees and then rise up every day and talk to the Lord. Get a hold of him. In John 17, I wanted to read this. And now came I to thee. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said. And now came I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. If you're listening to the word of God, guess what the word of God's going to do? It's going to fulfill the joy that Jesus took care of. How many knows that? Don't you know where your joy is? It's in him. But if you don't stay close to him, Jesus was telling you that you're fulfilled in the joy you'll be fulfilled. See, I need to have a happy face. I don't need to have my car ready to run over somebody that gets in my way. Yeah, I need to have a little patience. I know, hard to do sometimes. I only mention that because I'm the one that has trouble with it. Nobody else has trouble, but I have it. 
And it says in the next verse of John 17, 14, I have given them thy word, Jesus said, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Well, there's our problem. We keep wanting to be like the world, then we don't understand why he don't treat us like we're not of the world. He wants to bless us, but we're not acting like we're of the, we act like we're of the world. You're not of this world. You're, you've been bought with a price. I, my heavenly home is above. I don't know what my conversation, my citizenship is above. Everything I'm looking forward to is above me. It's somewhere up there. I don't know. I've never got to see it yet. But everybody that's left before me in Christ, they have gone there, and I believe they're there because God's words promised it. Listen to the next verse. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world. Listen to what Jesus said. He knows the disciples are going to pay a price. He knows, Christian, you're going to pay a price. But Jesus said, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, Father, but that thou should keep them from the evil. Now we know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to stay away from the evil. Our Heavenly Father will keep us from the evil. Did you know Elijah gets up and he goes on his journey and meets Elijah and all that story starts? And can I tell you something other? God had planned his trip. He had planned his new walk. God put joy back in his face. God put hope back into his, in his mind. And do you know what? Jezebel never did catch up with him. I mean, here's what I'm talking about. See all that devil scare and all that devil's going to do this. And you know how our government says, yeah, we're going to do this to you. We're going to stop this. We're going to stop that. You're going to lose all your freedom. You're going to lose all your freedom to go to church. Uh, we need to set six, seat, six seats apart and six blocks apart and all the other stuff. And you know what? They're doing everything in the world to keep us from being in unity and praising his name. I don't know about you, but it sounds better when there's a whole bunch up here. I'm glad for the good singers that sing, but when they get them all up here, I'll tell you right now, you can't hardly be still up here because you can feel the presence of God flowing. And I enjoy that. That's what God gives us, fills our tank up, and we're all fired up to go. You know, I've seen people leave here and go out the door, run and get them something to eat and come right back, and they practice singing all day. You don't know that, but some of them do. Why? Because in their heart, they want to be a part of what God is doing. They want to have ministering gift of giving of the song in their heart. And I can tell you, these songs that came out today have heart in them. I don't know if you read the words, but they have heart in them. I want you to hear this. Because this is what God woke me up this week about. These are the days of Elijah, the song says. Betty, declaring the word of the Lord. Praise God. I don't know how much bigger it gets, but these are the days of Elijah declaring the day, the, the, it says declaring the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when the songs go forth, that declares the word of God. When the, when the preaching and the teaching and the testifying and that comes forth, the word of the Lord's coming forth. 
And it's there to encourage and lift us up. Don't let the world put you down. Get around God's people and be lifted up. It says, and these are the days of the servant Moses' righteousness being restored. And though these are the days of great trial. How many knows we've got a lot of trials going on? Now, some of you are fighting your job. Some of you are fighting your family. Some of, them, some of them not allowed to even see their family. You don't have your shots or you don't have something going on. And I'm not trying to be your condemner, but I'm going to tell you something. Don't bite into everything the devil tells you. Because if you do, you will run and hide and be in a cave somewhere hiding. I know it's none of my business. But then it says in the song, it says, though these are the days of great trial, of famine of, and darkness and sword. And I thought they're cutting off all of our food. They got it sitting out in the ocean or they got it sitting somewhere and they don't want it. Uh, somebody said the other day, went to a restaurant and they wanted the lunch menu. Oh, we don't have but two items on the lunch menu no more. We cut out all that. We can't get the material. We can't get the stuff. And I'm thinking they still got their sign blinking, come in here and eat. But they don't want to supply what, they, what they're advertising. And I'm not picking at them. I'm just telling you there's a famine coming. But it's not just famine of food. There's a famine of godliness. And then it says darkness. And I don't know about you, but we got a whole world full of dark people. They don't know where they're at. Our leaders get, somebody said it this morning, they get uh, older, wiser, and dumber. They get more educated. They get dumber. I'm sorry. You that's educated, I praise God for you. You're in church. That's, that's a great education right there. And then it says a sword. How many deaths are going on every day? People's dying in the cities, and they won't change nothing. They have no answer to any of it. It don't fit what their politically correct story tells them. So they won't change it. Then it says in the psalm, Still we are the voice in the desert crying. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, when Jesus came the first time, they, Elijah was considered John the Baptist. He fulfilled part of that. It's in Malachi Four, five, and six. Uh, Elijah was was actually John the Baptist, and he came as a forerunner for Christ. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. But don't you know that when Jesus came, he came the first time. He's coming again, and we're to prepare the way of the Lord. You and I, the voice of God's people, ought to be crying out. Why? Because we don't just have a word of a testimony. We have a power inside of us that comes from the Holy Spirit promised. And the Holy Spirit inside of us just begins to churn and work in us. You say something good and there's something churning inside of me. Praise God. I come here on a Thursday night to get in a Bible study and it starts churning. I come to Sunday school and something starts churning. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of me, He is the unity that we have to have. And He can do anything. God can do anything. And that's what He's trying to do in us. I'm done. Becky, come up. I know you're happy. Luke 2. Let me read you one little thing about Luke 2. Luke 2 says... 
This is, this is an angel that showed up to the shepherds. How many knows that story? You probably read it already this week. But it says, and the angel, verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not. Behold, I bring you what? Good tidings. I don't know about you, but the gospel's good news. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just a few of us, all people were blessed the day that God let his son come into this life. You hear what I'm telling you? That little baby wasn't just a normal little baby. He was the son of the living God. And it says, for unto you is born this day in the city, David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward who? Toward men. What a blessing. Don't you understand them words are just screaming out that we should be praising him, that we should be lifting him up, that we should follow everything that he tells us to do, follow through. These are the days of Elijah. You hear what I'm telling you? Think about it. Does God need me for anything or should I just go to the cave and park it? Should I just retire to the cave and say, I don't think God wants me to do anything? Yes, God does. He don't, my, he don't need you in charge. I don't need to be in charge, but I need to be living for God every day with my heart toward what he wants me to do. Because, see, that's the only way God can use us. Don't waste your time worrying about whether you fit into somebody else's idea of what you ought to be. I just want to be what Jesus wants me to be. I want to follow him with my whole heart. That's what every one of us needs. And when I come here, I come believing that he is going to be here. Believing his presence is here. It was good news, and even the angels knew it. The heavenly hosts began to cry, glory to God in the highest. Why? They knew something new had happened. He was all God, he was all man. He was born of Mary, but his father was the heavenly father. How many knows you got a hold of the greatest thing? This world cannot entertain you enough. They cannot give you enough in this life to fulfill what God can fulfill inside of you if you allow it. But we don't need to run to the cave. We don't need to run and hide. We don't need to back up and say, somebody else will do it. No, find the place that God needs you. Search it, pray for it, and slowly step in there until God tells you exactly what to do. Don't, don't do it in your will. Do it in his will. Watch what God can do. Praise God. I got two more pages, but you're not going to hear it. I thank God for his grace, and I thank him for his messages. I know what God's saying to us. He wants us to get our mind off this secular Christmas. Praise God. I, I praise God. Christmas is all about Christ. But everybody will say that and then go off and do everything else. 
They don't worry about what Christ. I did the same thing that DJ did in Sunday school. I did that with my kids and grandkids. Always I tell them when we had Christmas the other day, I tell them you can't open your presents till you read your Bible first. We got to read the story. But this year I said, sorry, we're not going to read the story. And I began to do what DJ did. He went through the prophecies leading up to Jesus coming. All through the Old Testament, it's written of his coming. Did you know the Bible is full of scriptures saying he's coming again? Are we preparing? Yes, these are those days of Elijah. But it's not going to be defeat. It's going to be victory. Read the end of the book. I want to be a part of that. Praise God. Everyone stand while they sing. The days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, famine and darkness and sword.
That wasn't the end of Elijah either. How many knows what happened to Elijah? He didn't even die. Here he was requesting to die, but at the end of his story, he didn't even die. You know what Elijah did? He went up into a whirlwind. And God had not only plans for his life then, but he's got plans for his future. Did you know Elijah will probably be the one of those two witnesses in the 11th chapter of Revelation? And it talks about some believe Elijah will come again. That's what it talks about. Before the coming of the Lord, before that dreadful day that he's coming to judge, it says Elijah will come. So get a hold of this. I don't care where you are or what's going on. Put your faith in him and say, Lord, whatever you say, not what the devil says, not what my flesh says, whatever you say to me, I will do. And I will rise up and I will call you blessed all my days. And I've watched too many people leave this life in victory. I've watched too many people that were had their hands praised and lift up because even though they knew God was taking them home, they could not get them discouraged. They were ready to go. They didn't look back. They looked forward. Praise God. Steve, I'll never forget you saying that when we were standing by Dad's bed. You looked across the bed. We were talking about old times. You said, he's not thinking about old times. He's looking ahead. He's looking at heaven. And I, I remember that, Steve, just like it was yesterday, and I never forgot it. And it always makes me understand that when you're leaving this life and God's telling you you're leaving, guess what? Turn your eyes away from your children, from your wife, from your husband, and say, Lord, I'm going home to be with Jesus. Because that's the victory that we've lived for all of our life. That's what our Bible teaches us. Praise God for what he does. Praise God for his truth of his word that always shows up at the right time. Praise God. If you don't know him this morning, come. Come while the water is being troubled. Why stir? 